0: Welcome to Success Authorities Conversation Street with Leadership Authority Peter Beaumont and with Business Culture Authority Ron Lehman and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authorities Founder.
1: I'm sure you run into that where all the family members want to weigh in on the potential acquisition or being acquired.
0: Okay. Yeah, and you know, again, there are a lot of variations in families. The there's a kind of a whole range of best practices to uh, set some of the expectations uh, up front. One of the the best practices is to have the younger family members go work someplace else for four or five years after college to learn what someone else is doing, have something more to bring back to the business and you know, be able to show a certain level of accomplishment and ability to do things. Some families have a, an active strategy by say the third generation of pruning the family tree uh, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, they have fewer family members involved. So it's easier to deal with that. Uh, there's um uh, somewhere between 50 and 100 family business centers around the country that you know, provide a range of programs to help families uh, realize that they're not the only ones dealing with a, a specific issue so they can learn from other families. And
1: I Many years ago, I worked for a company that was essentially a family business, and then they were acquired by a much larger um, organization and one of the things that people suddenly discovered was that their informal network of influence didn't mean much anymore. So they had wired into certain people in the family and, and felt like, okay, I'm I'm good with this these family members. So you know, I'm friend of the prince, um, and that suddenly wasn't what um, what the acquiring country looked at, the company looked at in terms of what's valuable now. And the name and who you knew wasn't as valuable. And that was, um, you know, caused some tummy pain among some people because they had, you know, really worked on these these um, relationships and then it suddenly didn't matter. And I'm not sure either organization was thinking about that beforehand, but it became kind of a significant
0: issue. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that you know, becomes, um, if you're not a family member and work in a family business, you uh, uh, that, that all those thoughts have to go through your head in terms of you know what is my future here. Um, some of the best family businesses have a very well thought out approach to that, and you know set clear expectations in terms of you know what's doable. Um, you know, a number of family businesses have non-family members as the CEO, um, but you know kind of spelling those things out so people aren't guessing. You know what's the lay of the land here, and you know, and if there is an acquisition, you know that very. If there's a new king, that could change all those rules very quickly.
1: And I, I would imagine too, Dave, uh, that acquiring the acquiring company has to think about who could potentially leave. What that—that's one of the risks. Right. That, you know, if they're really comfortable the way it was, and now suddenly it's not that way, and they leave all of a sudden the deal doesn't look as good. Is that something you counsel them on to, to really look at that side of it?
0: Yeah, in fact, I'm um, working on a, a deal now where uh, it was a family business that started in the 40s. Um, new owners bought it about six or seven years ago and a, a private equity group is looking at buying this now and adding it to a another company they have within the same industry. And you know, that's one of the discussions points, um, the P groups, uh, stated approaches. We don't want to lose anyone. So there are you know, three uh, key management people in this uh, that we're having discussions of what kind of um, package would you have for them. Uh, the uh, sellers are also considering an ESOP, you know, you know which by definition gives um, everyone in the, the company an ownership interest in general. Um, so uh, those become important considerations. The reality is a business is driven by the people that that make it up. Uh, the machinery and so forth is nice, but it's really the people that uh, separate the great companies from the mediocre companies.
1: Yeah, especially in the size of company that we're talking about. I mean, if you have a company of twenty people and two leave, that's you know, no matter where they are, that can be a significant change it may
0: be positive right. or negative but yeah you know, and you know, especially if they're you know, maybe the the leaders of the company or say the key salesperson that you know, was the one who would go out and get new business for the company
2: are you seeing dave are you seeing over the last let's go pre-covid to now what's been the trend have you seen a change in the number of mergers and acquisitions is there, um, has it gone like this or is it fairly flat or it, it's gone up and
0: down a fair amount and um I don't have the uh, I get a number of reports on especially in the uh, the private equity side but I think the strategic buyer side has some of the same you know, factors um I think though know, the the interest rate changes um Uh, slowed things down for a while but you you also have the reality of this massive wave of baby boomers that are you know hitting their 65 and 70th birthdays at this point that um, uh, the the reality of that uh, isn't going to be changed by an interest rate so um, you know those owners need to give some thought to you know where am i at and um if you're 45, you could easily you know, recover from a five-year downturn. But if you're 70, um, you, know, you may not have that five years that you want to spend rebuilding the business. So kind of seeing where you're at. And um, one great comment I heard a number of years ago as advice to, to sellers is, you know, decide how much money is going to be enough for you to have the lifestyle that you would like to have and um, don't keep trying to get more than that necessarily because uh, you could put that that money at risk if you you know don't seize the opportunities when they come up.
1: Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I, and I guess the, the part of the question I was trying to get at was huh? during COVID, we saw a lot of people actually get out, right, at 60. I've, I've had enough of this. And so that... That's why I was wondering whether there was more being put on the market and trying to sold during COVID than there has post. Plus, of course, there was a lot of SBA loans around, right? So that freed up a lot of cash to do that. So I was wondering whether we saw, that was really behind my question, was, was there a peak, more of a peak than normal during the COVID period and that's come down or or, or is it continued?
0: Yeah, it, I'd say right at the beginning, in the beginning of 2020, no one would, had any clue what was happening in the world, so things slowed down a lot then. But
2: Nothing in, in the 2020 probably.
0: and 21, um, you know, the, the private equity groups have over 800 billion dollars of committed funds from um, the investors they work with, and you know their job is to find good deals to put that money into. You know, a lot of the um, strategic buyers, in terms of companies, also had uh big piles of of cash available that they could make acquisitions so that um uh, there was a a a boom in the let's say the 21 by the end of um at some point in 22 things slowed down because of concerns about inflation picking up and the the fed um uh, increasing uh interest rates and probably the bigger concern for buyers is is there going to be a recession yeah. You know the idea of having a soft landing versus a hard one um the fed doesn't have a hasn't had a great track record of soft landings. they usually overshoot the mark and you know, as a a buyer that you know concerns you interest rates go up business goes down, so this cash flow that you thought you had uh, that made this a great deal goes south and um it just adds risk to the deal. So that slowed things down. But uh, at this point, uh, things seem to uh, have picked up quite
2: a bit as well. So uh, I guess the follow-up question is, given you know it does tend to be a bit like this, what are the biggest challenges for you, do you think? And have they changed over the last couple of years? Um,
0: finding good... Um... <laughs> A <laughs> good business to sell probably is, you know, there's lots of businesses there, but um, not every business is a a great business is going to be um, attractive to a buyer. Um, you know, typically, owners have probably paid off most or a big chunk of the debt, but usually buyers are going to finance a good part of the acquisition if, you know, it, it used to be that they could probably get a loan for 6%, you know it might be 8% now but that's uh, a lot cheaper money than what they're hoping to to get as a return on the equity they put into the the business. Mm-hmm. Um so that, you know that is an important factor that comes into play. Mhm.
1: Mhm.
2: Mhm.
0: I have kind of a left field question, Dave.
1: And it's just something I've noticed over the years that after an acquisition, or when they're thinking about it, there's the 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 boss of the other the company that got acquired. And perhaps it's, you know, a family patriarch or it's just it's the person who founded the business or whatever it is. But there seem to be a couple of strategies. One is you buy them out, and that's the last anybody sees of them. And the other strategy is this kind of, well, we're going to have them around as a consultant. Hmm. Or, you know, We're going to have some way for them to stay involved for, so we can get their expertise. And um, there, there may be another strategy, but those are the two I see a lot. And um, what can often happen in that situation is that the people who used to work for the old boss still go to the old boss as their boss. And now you've got this kind of convoluted chain of of decision making uh, because they're not really sure who to who to do. And then there are occasions too where the old boss doesn't like what's happening and becomes kind of an impediment. So, do you have any as you're looking or or consulting and advising these folks? Do you talk about that part? That what's the role going forward of of the person? that is uh, is the, the seller.
0: Okay. You know, It depends on, I guess, you know, a number of things. Uh, what's the age of the seller and uh, what's the situation? If the buyer's in the same industry and understands the industry, there's probably less benefit to them having the, you know, the owner continue. Um, <laughs> if the owner's had a clear role, maybe they're the key salesperson that goes out and brings business in. Um, if they have a, a clear role, it's easier having them uh, continue. Um, with most of the um, sellers I work with, they're typically at, at the retirement stage, and you know they're ready to. Um, they want to do something else, whether it's travel around the world or time for their grandkids or various other things. What I uh, try um, talk to buyers and sellers about is handing the baton off that there's, you know, there needs to be some kind of a transition period. And, you know, it might be a very short one. If if the buyers are from the same industry and understand all that, it could be a longer one if, um, if they're not and they need some education, um, you know, one of the key assets for any business is, is the key customer, so making sure that there's a um, a good job done of basically handing those customers off so the customers feel that uh, things are going to be better with this new owner that we have. There's added things they can bring to the table or um uh, that that becomes a, a critical part of that baton handoff, and you know, each each case is somewhat different. You have to identify what are the key things, you know, uh, with this specific situation between the buyer and seller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's I guess there's not one canned answer to that question. It has to be tailored to the you know, specifics.
1: I, I think too. You know, I was just thinking about your the image that you gave us of the uh, the owner who quits and wants to play golf and after about a month they get bored and they might get tempted to you know wander back to the business and see if they can um you know kind of recapture some old glory or something but i think you're right I like like all of these things i mean I, I i think there's two themes that i've heard from you is one is clarity the more clarity and the more clear you can be going in and going through the process, the better. Um, and really thinking through, um, kind of clear-eyed about all the eventualities and things that could happen, and making conscious choices and decisions sooner rather than later. You know, one that that I think often comes up is a, a, a very serious underestimation of what of the integration costs. Um, I see all, all the time. It's they focus on the purchase price, but there's a cost of integration that is a little little sketchier to to figure out going in. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you that that seldom gets the the focus. Uh, some of the um, uh, repeat buyers or private equity groups are a good example of this. That they. Um, I think they more actively think about that. I was talking to um, someone a little bit over a week ago that uh, was a software company that does custom software. They're were, uh, we're talking about working for a private equity group in the Chicago area, you know, and typically where the P group is headquartered is kind of irrelevant because they typically buy companies all over the uh, the country. But that was they were engaged to help get the software systems uh, integrated. Typically P groups will buy a bigger platform company and then they'll find smaller companies in the same industry to add on. And usually those are geographically someplace else. So they may or may not have that same level of expertise to have a good CFO uh, level person. And they, you know, very well may not need them or can't afford them full-time, but they may need someone part-time. And whether the uh, original platform company has that many extra resources or the P group has uh, resources to put in that role, but helping with just, just something as simple as what's your reporting cycle and how do you get all these things pulled together to know what's going on and what kind of reports kind of underlie those at the next level so that you really understand the detail and not just the surface numbers. Mm -hmm. It's, it's as much
1: how the, how things get done as what you're doing. Right. And uh, it's, it, it, it can be a, a larger than expected impediment sometimes because all of a sudden people are spending all their time talking about, well, now we have to learn this system for accounts receivable, which we didn't have to do before. And so there tends to be kind of a productivity dip um, after an acquisition that usually isn't factored into the thinking. It's like, well, we're making this much. We're going to put them together and then we'll make this much and it'll start from day zero and everything will be great. But there's this kind of, you know, I don't know how you put a number on. Here's what the noise is going to cost us. Right. And also, what can we do? As, as you the examples you gave up front of at least um preempting some of that stuff yeah you know, humans get together and it never works like it does on paper
0: yeah you know, having good leadership's a key part of that of um you know the the buyer has to have some good leaders in place to actively work to, to make two and two equal five instead of equaling three, basically.
1: It, how, how often do you find acquisitions, um, they're trying to augment what they do or they're trying to acquire a competitor uh, so they get market share or in some ways put the competitor on their team and take them off the board?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of depends on probably how big the competitor is and where they're at. Um, uh, Some of that is um, uh, either geographically expanding. One um, case I'm working, client I'm working with now owns um, a dealership for outdoor power equipment. And there's uh, a general movement to consolidate within the industry. And they needed to decide, do we want to, buy other dealerships or do we want to sell the one we have and they've decided to sell the one they have they have other things that they're doing
1: i think it's another one of those i mean over the years you see when i was growing up every car dealership was typically had somebody's name on it it was a family business and they were all separate and now it's there's these still has a family name on it but they have you know it used to be a chevrolet dealer a Ford dealer. Now it's Chevrolet, Hyundai, Kia, other stuff, and that seems to have been over the past twenty years. Kind of, the goes. I don't know if that's going to go back to individual places, but it 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 was just kind of a way of, you know. Now they all kind of look the same. It's like yeah, you can I think, find five or six different companies that they that they support.
0: Yeah, and I think you know different industries go through um, kind of that. Uh, maturity process, a lot of you know, industries start you know, with a business with someone's name on it. Um, over time, uh, companies start um, consolidating together. Um, and uh, once that starts, it's it's fairly unusual for it to go back the other way, I think. Yeah. What's more likely to happen is there's some new industry that springs up Um it's interesting to look at the, uh, uh, the SIC codes or the NICS. And if you look at it, you could almost basically see an evolution of the um, businesses within the U.S. There are some categories you if you look at, it, you go, well, you know, that's not even relevant anymore. Uh, um, yeah. But there you know, there's ongoing change. Um. um so I think that's where the, uh, you know, the new businesses with people's names on spring up from new industries, typically. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to schedule a private conversation with Success Authorities, email us at inquire at successauthorities.com.